Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Mo. Mo takes us through the birth story of her baby boy, Brixton. Mo had an interesting experience with her midwife, and she also takes us through her breastfeeding experience, which ended up in exclusive pumping. So enjoy the episode. Hi, Mo. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me on this. No problem at all. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and your family? Sure. Um, so my name is Mo and I live in Mount Manganui, just outside of Taronga. Um, I live with my husband, Greg, and our son, Brixton. Brixton's 20 months old, so he'll be two in April. Yeah, so we we used to live in Auckland um, and only moved to the mountain in February. So the birth story and everything takes place in Auckland and, and not here in the Bay. Cool. And I'm picking up a bit of an accent. Yes, I am originally from the States. So I'm from Colorado and um, I moved to New Zealand. I moved to Australia first um, for work and then got relocated to New Zealand. And I moved there in 2012. So I've been overseas for some time now. Awesome. And did you plan on getting pregnant or what was the journey like to pregnancy for you? Yeah. So um, it was a bit interesting and I guess much shorter than we anticipated. Um, we had had some issues or I'd had some issues with one of my ovaries back in 2016. And um, it turns out I was only ovulating from, from one of them. So Greg and I just kind of like sat down and had a chat because we knew some other friends that had tried to get pregnant and um, they couldn't fall pregnant. And it was just something that was always really top of mind for us that we we wanted kids. And um, at that point we were engaged, so we weren't married yet. Um, but we just said, you know, stuff it. Like we don't have to be on any certain timeline. We don't have to be married before we have kids. Um, you know, we, we know that we're committed to each other and, and let's give it a go. So that would have been in June of 2016. And I was in pregnant, I was pregnant by July of 2016. So we literally got pregnant the first month of trying, um, which was a huge surprise to us. And, um, Greg had just finished an Ironman back in March of that year. So part of me secretly thinks that his <laughs> swimmers were also in really good shape. So yeah, it just, um, yeah. yeah, it happened much quicker than we, we thought we, we told ourselves we'd give us you know, six months to try. And if it didn't happen, then no worries. Um, you know, we'll try again after our wedding, but yeah, it happened right away. Yeah. 
Awesome. That's cool. And how did you find out that you were pregnant? Did you miss a period or have some symptoms? Yeah. So because of my ovulation, my periods were already a little bit abnormal. So some months they would be, you know, really full on. And some months it was like, I barely even got one. So I guess, you know, when I had missed my period, I wasn't really attached to knowing or thinking that I actually was pregnant. Um, but intuitively I've, I feel like I really knew like something felt different. It wasn't like, um, anything super obvious, but I just kept peeing on the stick. You know, I was like, I know that I'm pregnant even (laughs) if, yeah. And so essentially, I mean, I, the test came back negative six times. Like I did six negative pregnancy tests before it actually came back positive. So mine was one of those like really late ones. Um, but eventually when that one, that one morning when I did, um, see that really faint little second line, I was like, I knew it. Yay. Like we're (laughs) pregnant. And I called my husband and told him on the phone and he was really, really excited. So yeah, it was a, it was really fun. And any other symptoms like Let's see here about week six. That's at that point, I started to get really, really sick and remained that way until about 16 weeks. So I used to drive down Ponsonby Road in Auckland. So it's obviously like a, a nice place and, um, a a nice little area. And I used to pull over and throw up out the door, (laughs) like on my way to work. (laughs) It's just awful. And I swear people would have seen me do it multiple times because I was doing that for like 10 weeks and I just was really not well. Um, I was, I was sick like five times a day for that, um, 10 weeks. And, um, I used to go to work and take naps on my lunch break. I just used to, I remember I just felt so tired in that first trimester, which is obviously quite normal. Um, but at work we have two directors and I ended up telling them when I was about eight, eight weeks along, because I used to run to the toilet just to be sick. And I swear (laughs) they were concerned about my sickness and, I didn't want them to think it was a hangover or something ridiculous. So (laughs) I just eventually came out with it of, you know, I'm pregnant. This is why I'm always, you know, running to the bathroom and looking quite pale. And, um, yeah, they all, they both had a laugh and they were like, Oh, it makes so much more sense, you know, because you just were not (laughs) yourself. And yeah, when I came out to the rest of my team as well, they, um, they all were just laughing, like, Oh, we thought something was up. We were wondering, but yeah. So that was exciting. And, um, Let's see here. After that, like 16 weeks of being sick, I felt amazing. I found pregnancy to be a really lovely and enjoyable experience. Um, it was really like the first time that I truly fell in love with my body. I was so proud of what was happening inside and so amazed with my body. Um, I felt really confident and beautiful and just proud to be a woman. And yeah, it was just a, I just loved being pregnant. I actually just had a really, easy pregnancy outside of that, you know, first trimester. I've always been like a, I've always practiced yoga and I just graduated from my um, teacher training in August. So I was fresh out of that and I was teaching a bit here and there, but doing a lot of like self-care in that regard. So I had a certification and a prenatal yoga course and that helped me a ton in my own journey and knowing like how to relieve my hips if I was, if I had a rough day of sitting, you know, or getting into really comfortable sleeping positions. My poor husband, you know, I had like pillows everywhere. (laughs) He was like (laughs) barely even fit on the bed. So, um, and I was also getting acupuncture every other week. Um, I started that when I was, um, sick in that first trimester. And then the acupuncturist just had a deal for 
um, women that were pregnant. So I just took that deal and, and and kept with the acupuncture the rest of the pregnancy. And I wonder if that's, you know, why I felt so great throughout the end of it. Um, and then, yeah, towards the end, we, um, I went to the Adele concert at at 37 weeks pregnant. And I think that was kind (laughs) of like my, that was my last hurrah of like, okay, I can, yeah. You know, I, I actually walked around the whole concert and was on my feet and dancing the whole concert. And, um, I just thought to myself, wow, I, I kind of, I remember people looking at me being like, God, you're really pregnant. You know, like we were standing <laughs> in line for the toilets, um, and at Mount Smart and people were like, just go to the front, you know, if you're busting. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, I'm really okay. And everyone just like kind of stared at me. Like, I think that was the yeah. first time where I was like, I, I actually am really pregnant, but I feel great. And I feel normal. So, um, it was just a funny one to look back on. Everyone was just like, you know, they saw photos of me and they're like, my God, I cannot believe you like walked around for <laughs> four hours, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah, it was just really fun. Awesome. And did you have a birth plan in mind of how you hoped your birth would go or what were your thoughts there? Mm, yes and no. I mean, I really, I did really want to birth at birth care. Um, I felt really close with the midwife that I had. And because I had such a great pregnancy, no part of me was concerned that birth itself would be an issue. And I think, you know, had I had a different pregnancy or had other complications, I would have, you know, considered hospital for my first baby. But I was just, yeah, I I was really confident that I could do it at birth care. It was just one of those things of like, um, you know, just feeling like I really trusted what was happening and, um, knew that my midwife had heaps of experience. So yeah, that was kind of the only plan was birth care. Um, and in Auckland, you get the sweet deal of if you birth at birth care, then you get to stay at birth care for a couple of days, um, for like a much cheaper rate. So my husband and I also were, were pretty keen on that because we just wanted that those first few days with the baby and as much support from the midwives at birth care as possible. So I knew that like that was really good incentive for me. I'm quite a competitive person and knowing that that was in the back of my mind of like, okay, if I accomplish this goal, then we could have a few days, you know, at birth care. So, um, and I was, I was keen on trying a water birth if that, you know, option presented itself. And if I wanted to be in the water, um, but you know, I also know that you may plan something and and then you step into the water yeah. and your body might absolutely hate it. So step out. So yeah, it was more of just like get to birth care, do it without the drugs and we'll see what happens. Awesome. Yeah. And did you go to any antenatal classes or anything like that before you went into labor? Yes, we went to two, two classes. So an antenatal class put on by, I think it was Plunkett and then um, also a hypnobirthing class. Um, as far as the antenatal class goes, we didn't, I don't know if we like, I don't know. There was just part of it that we just didn't really gel with. Um, I don't feel like either of us, my husband or I walked away with a ton of new knowledge. Um, and maybe that's just because we're both like readers or we like to look stuff up and kind of like dig into Google and read books and educate ourselves and there was just nothing much that we walked away from within the antenatal class that I was like, Oh my gosh, I never knew that before. It was, um, it just all seemed like we just got there and, and had a bunch of discussion the whole time. And then we walked away like after six weeks 
And I like looked at my husband and I was like, did you feel like that was valuable? And he's like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but the hypnobirthing classes were incredible. Um, we went to this gal named Claire in Auckland who runs them and she was super, super knowledgeable and really passionate about hypnobirthing. And every time my husband and I went to one of those classes, we walked away with so many tools in our tool bag, such as like learning how to massage and different meditations we could listen to at night to, you know, promote that calm birth and positive affirmations. And, um, yeah, we just really gelled with the hypnobirthing class. So I would recommend that if, if that's something that someone's wanting to try, I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat for the next baby. Awesome. And did you go into labor naturally? How far along were you if you did? Um, yeah, so we, we, I went to that Adele concert and then I had one more week of work. So I was finishing up work at 38 weeks and then planned to have a couple of weeks off to relax and get the last of the baby room sorted. And, um, I'd had a pretty big week of work and, you know, as you can imagine, before you take leave, you just want to get everything done. And yeah. on that Wednesday, my ankles and wrists just got really swollen. And, um, I don't know if it was, you know, a combination of like walking around at that concert for the whole night and then being like sitting at a computer for three whole days and just so much work to do. And obviously probably a bit of stress knowing that like I had to get so much done before, before baby was arriving. And I hadn't really been super puffy the whole pregnancy. So I thought it was just kind of part of the third trimester. Like I didn't think much about it. Um, and I finished work on that Friday and at 4am that night or that Saturday morning, my waters broke. So I was like, when that, that happened, I was like, oh man, okay, I'm not going to get that two weeks off work, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't a crazy big leak or anything. I actually woke up to go to the toilet and, um, I was walking to the toilet and it started running down my leg, um, in the hallway. And I had actually thought I had peed my pants. So I was just like, yeah. you know, I, I like stopped in the middle of the hallway, like, kind of threw my head back and I was like, Oh man, what has my life come to? I am so pregnant <laughs> that I'm now peeing my pants. I've like lost control yeah. of my bladder. And, um, so I was like kind of laughing to myself and I um, went to the toilet and saw that my mucus plug was also there. So I knew that at that point, my waters, um, had broken or partially broken. Um, and I wasn't in pain or anything. So I just cleaned up a bit and walked back to bed. And this was all on, April 1st. So it's kind of funny because I'm notoriously known for playing April fool's jokes on my husband uh, and yeah. on my parents. It's a very like American thing, but you know, I played like some ridiculous ones on my parents when I was growing up. And, um, and so I knew that if I woke my husband, I had to tell him that this wasn't an April fool's joke, you know, that this was real. And yeah. so, um, that the karma of that was all just really funny. So I nudged Greg awake <laughs> I just said, babe, this isn't an April Fool's joke. I'm pretty sure my water just broke. And, you know, in typical, like, Kiwi super laid back dude, he was just like, oh, yeah, she'll be right. And and he fell back <laughs> asleep. And I was like, um, okay. So, so I, you know, I'm, obviously he was like, do you feel okay? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, we'll just, you know, get some rest. So I was awake and in bed and 
Um, I just wanted to make sure that like, I actually, that actually did happen. I didn't actually pee my pants. And I was like, am I going crazy? Is this how it's supposed to feel like? And, um, you know, so I was Googling, what does it feel like when your water breaks and when does labor start, et cetera, those like ridiculous questions. And, um, finally I felt like another little gush coming and I hopped out of bed and I shouted to my husband, I was like, babe, see, and I basically like wet my pants standing in front of him. And he was like, oh my God, okay, okay, go to the toilet, go to the toilet. I get it. It's happening. Um, so at this point I was just a little concerned because, um, my midwife had told us that she was heading out of town this weekend. Um, and I was, you know, I had told her like, oh yeah, that'll be fine. And she was really confident that, or thinking that I would be, um, late in my pregnancy. I'm quite tall. And, um, my, my mom carried late with all of us kids as well. So, you know, just based on like family history and and height and this, there was like so much more room for the baby to grow with me being tall. Um, you know, she figured I would probably be, you know, between 40 and 41 weeks when I was delivering. Yeah. And, um, so she was like, you know, I'm just going to take this weekend off and then I'm back on call for the next six weekends. So, you know, I'll definitely be around <laughs> for your labor. And I was like, okay, sounds good. You know, didn't even think twice about it water's broke. And I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to be having this baby in the next 48 hours. If you know, this is all happening right now. And, um, so I followed the process that, you know, my midwife had laid out for me if she was out of town, which was to phone her backup midwife. Um, and my midwife always had the understanding of, you know, just call me if anything happens, you know, we'll talk through options. And then, you know, if it's middle of the night, just keep me posted anyway, you know? So, um, I called the backup midwife and my call got to her voicemail and the backup midwife's voicemail said that she was in Wellington and out of town for the weekend as well. So at that point mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, I don't have a midwife. So, um, and I think that just kind of sent me into a little bit of a headspace. Like, you know, as you can imagine, your hormones are just kind of racing. And, um, I just started to get a little bit concerned. I'm definitely someone who loves a plan. And so when, the plan got thrown out the window, you know, it's just like the lesson of motherhood, right? Like it all started right then <laughs> yeah. and there. And, um, so yeah, I, I basically didn't know who to call at that point. So, and I didn't have contractions yet, but I was like, okay, well, I might just like call birth care, see if they have any idea of what I should do. If like contractions do start happening, you know, and then I can be in touch with someone. So, um, I called birth care and they were really lovely. They just said, you know, try to rest as much as possible. Um, here's someone that you can call. She's a midwife, you know, on, on duty this weekend. Um, and had given me a little bit of advice and gave me her phone number. So again, I followed the protocol of what my midwife wanted me to do. So I gave her a call. And at this point it's about six in the morning. Um, and she had answered and said, I don't take calls unless it's an emergency until 7am. And so, you know, I was, I just was like, okay, that's, that's fine. I just, you know, I just need to introduce myself because like, I don't have a midwife right now. I'm probably going to be in labor soon. And, um, they've put me with you. So I'm just giving you kind of a heads up. And she's like, yep, that's fine. Um, call me back after seven and we'll make a time to meet later this morning. So I was like, okay. So, um, I tried to go back to bed. Didn't really happen. I was just kind of like, you know, walking around the house, cleaning up a bit. I, you know, I didn't have that 
two weeks to kind of sort myself out. So I was like, oh my gosh, if this is going to happen today, I have so much to do. I've got laundry to fold and his room to finish and the bag to pack and, you know, all of the things. Um, so I rang her back at seven and she asked me to meet at, meet her at the midwife offices at 11 in the morning. At this point, I was having small contractions. They were really manageable, you know, almost just feels like period pain. Um, but I, I did know that like it was, it was starting. So, um, I knew that we would have a baby in the next 48 hours and that was just really exciting as well. So after, after meeting her at 11 in the morning, um, we came up with a game plan to meet at birth care when my contractions, um, were two minutes apart and one minute long. And, um, I had labored the entire day at home with Greg and I was trying to rest, but laying down and sitting just didn't feel good to me. I really wanted to move. So, yeah. you know, I walked around, folded some laundry. Um, I told my husband to get some sleep because I knew that it'd probably be a pretty big night for him. So he took a little bit of a cat nap and I like separated myself in the living room and moaned away by myself. You know, like at that point he couldn't really help me. Everyone was yeah. like laughing. They're like, why wasn't Greg around? And I had asked him, you know, to separate himself. I just wanted to like be in my space and, um, it wasn't so bad yet that I had needed him. So, and I was, um, yeah. obviously my, my mom lives in Colorado. So away and, um, you know, I'd called her a couple of times and she talked me through a few contractions, which was really nice. And I just, yeah, I would have like given anything to have her there. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. Just the way it goes. So around 5 p.m., my contractions were like really full on. I, I couldn't talk anymore. I couldn't talk to Greg. I was just like definitely in the zone. And, um, so I told Greg to, you know, call the midwife and let's get to birth care. And, and we had, when we had called her, the midwife said, um, that I didn't sound like I was in enough pain. So I should stay home. And she said she would get to birth care around 8 p.m. And I told Greg, I was like, we need to go now. Like it's my first baby. I am pretty sure I'm in a lot of pain. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to breathe through it, but like, I'm probably at my max capacity, you know, and t to imagine to stay home any longer and then have to get in the car was just like, yeah, did not sound good. So, um, he was a really good husband. And so he took me there. He took me to birth care. Um, we bought, we got to birth care. Um, just before six. And so since that midwife, you know, wasn't going to get there until eight, I just got the nurse that was on call. Um, she had checked me and confirmed that I was eight centimeters. So she was like, you did really well. You know, you've, you've done a really good job. You're going to have this baby soon. And we were all just really stoked. And I was just really proud that I had lasted that long at home. And, um, yeah, wow. you know, I was just like really motivated that the baby was going to come so soon. You know, I was like, cool. If I'm at eight centimeters, I can definitely make it to 10, you know, like the hard yards have been done and we're here and we're like at the, we, the end is in sight, you know? So I kind of like regained some strength in that moment. So sure enough, you know, I, I, I labored a bit longer and, um, my standard midwife eventually showed up at 8 PM to birth care and took over from the nurse and, Unfortunately, at that point, no one had checked my dilation, um, during the changeover. And so I was feeling pretty tired. And at that point, I, I really started to lose control of my body and my confidence in just what I was doing. You know, like, I guess being a yogi, you just feel 
so in touch with your body all the time or like trying to learn how to be in touch with your body. And that was like why I wanted to birth, birth at birth care in the first place. You know, like I knew that I hadn't, I would be able to like talk myself through it and know when it was time to push. And then after like hours of this and then, you know, the change of all the midwives and I just felt like I lost confidence. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't have this one person that's telling me like confidently what to do or where I'm at or coaching me. And, um, I just felt really like alone and questioned everything. And so, so I asked the, the midwife, um, I was like, should I just push yet? You know? And she said, if you want to push, then push. And, you know, I can understand her saying that if I had had a baby before or, you know, yeah. if I like really knew what that feeling was supposed to be. But because I was just in this state of like, well, I guess it's time to push, you know, I've been pushing or I've been contracting for so long, I guess it's time. And, and so I started pushing and, um, I thought that this was, you know, going to be the end of the labor and that this was what it was supposed to feel like. So I pushed and pushed and pushed and four hours went by and I was still pushing. And at no point in this entire thing, did she check my dilation? And so to me, the whole time I had assumed that, yeah, we were at 10 centimeters and that this was normal, but obviously looking back now and after like everything, um, I know that it wasn't. And at midnight, the like first nurse that was at birth care came back into the room and Um, so it was like the midwife that, you know, I didn't really gel with and the nurse and I just like lost it. I cried and I just broke down to my husband. I was like, I want a transfer to hospital. I want the drugs. I want whatever it will take to get this baby out. I'm, I just felt done, you know, like I was just so, I was so over it. And, um, I just like, I don't really give up on things that often. And it was just one of those moments where I had just surrendered. I was like, someone tell me a different plan. Give me your plan and I'll listen to it and do it. You know, cause I was just like, I don't know what to do at this point. And, um, the nurse was like, okay, let's, if that's what you really want, you know, we'll check you and we'll, we'll put in a transfer to hospital. So she checked me, the nurse did. And she's like, Oh my gosh, you're still at eight centimeters. And so then I was just like, Oh my God, you know, get me to hospital. I'm done. You know? (laughs) And, um, yeah. And so because it wasn't considered like an emergency transfer, cause like nothing was technically wrong, you know, or that they, nothing that they knew was technically wrong. Um, so they didn't send an ambulance and instead they were like, you know, if we do request an ambulance because you're not an emergency, it might be another 45 minutes that you'll have to wait. And it was like midnight at this point. And so they're like, well, your other option is that you just get yourself to hospital. So, you know, my husband was just like, give her what she wants. Let's just do it. You know? So he packed up all of our stuff and we walked to the car which obviously when you're like eight centimeters and contracting like every 45 seconds or whatever the spread was, you know, it felt like it was every five seconds really, but you know, you'd take like two steps, have a contraction, let it pass, take two more steps. So like that walk to the car alone took like 10 minutes when it should have taken two. Um, and we, so we really left birth care about 12, 15, and we got to the hospital at 1225 and, um, 
I don't know if you've ever like driven from birth care to the hospital, but there's a series of like probably eight or 10 speed bumps on all these little back roads. And so <laughs> my like legend, I am like sitting here at my desk with like my hands in prayer, just like my husband was so lovely <laughs> to be able to listen to me. Um, a, you know, moan and B, just be like, stop, stop. Okay, go, go, go. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Okay, go, go, go. You know, and, and, um, he has never listened so well in his whole life. I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Looking back yeah. on it, it's just, we laugh now, but we're like, remember those speed bumps? Yeah, good times. Um, yeah. But so yeah, we, we got across the speed bumps and we got to hospital and, I swear it was like the longest five, five minute drive of my life, you know, and we got there and I got to the hospital room and, um, the doctor that was there had checked me and, um, she was like, you're at 10, 10 centimeters. You're like, you're going to have this baby. And I was like, oh my God, we literally went from eight centimeters to 10 <laughs> centimeters in that drive. And like looking back after, after we had the baby and the doctor came back in to like debrief with us you know, she was like, I reckon those speed bumps is, um, what shifted. Apparently his head was, had been stuck in my pelvis on the right side. And, um, right. Yeah. yeah, Apparently the, the speed bumps and me walking, like helped it just like move his head into place. So it was like exactly how it was meant to be, you know, like exactly what I needed. And I think when I got to hospital too, just having the confidence of having someone new and, if it was like the label of a doctor or whatever, I just knew that like this person was 100% going to take care of me and see this through that yeah. I wouldn't be passed around to all these other people anymore. And so I think there was definitely like a mental and body shift, you know, that had happened. And, um, when it was time to, um, deliver the doctor saw that, um, the cord, his cord was also in a little bit of a weird position. It wasn't like an emergency, but she, she was really like cautious just because of the last like 10 hours that I had had. And, um, so she hit that button on the wall within like a matter of maybe 10 seconds. We had like 20 people in the room and everyone <laughs> yeah. is just like around you. And, you know, my husband's like laying on top of me, like you can do it, babe, you can do it, you know? And, um, and there's people just around and I have like this part, I kind of like, it's kind of a blur, but in a matter of like two or three pushes, then Brixton was, was out. And, um, and then, yeah. you know, everyone kind of dissipated out of the room. But so, yeah, at 1.08 a.m. on April 2nd, we delivered Brixton. Amazing. So, That's yeah. beautiful. And how how did you feel after that? Did you have any tearing or anything like that initially that you needed help with? Yeah, we had I had um one of, a second degree tear. I think like at that point, it just didn't really feel like anything like the labor. Yeah. Um, was so intense that I was just like, I don't even care. You know, like the stitches was just not even an issue. You know, they, they numb the area anyway. And, um, even the recovery from the stitches, I didn't have an issue. Some people say that they really itch and stuff, but, um, yeah, I was totally, totally fine. I just, um, recovery wise, I, I bled for quite a bit, but, um, I think like not in comparison to some people, it was just, it's just like how, how it goes in the recovery. I got really used to, um, wearing depends and, um, finding finding comfort in just walking around those during the day and being totally fine with it. And, um, yeah, but yeah, that was really the only like little issue, but 
yeah, all good. Yeah, cool. And how did Brixton go with latching on and breastfeeding initially when you were still in the hospital? Yeah, so um, so because I had labored so long at birth care and then transferred to hospital, they actually considered it like quote unquote birth at birth care. So they gave me all of the like um, that discount in the like three days at birth care that I would have earned oh, awesome. if I, yeah, it was really nice. I think it was just one of those things, whatever, I think if the nurse, you know, pulled some strings or whatever it was, either way, we basically like had Brixton at one o'clock in the morning. You do all the paperwork where they weigh him and measure him and this and that. And then we were back at birth care by about mm, three thirty or four. So you know, we were only at yeah. hospital for a really short amount of time and then back, back at birth care. And, um, we both slept for a couple hours and, um, because of him getting stuck in my pelvis, he sustained a little bit of a neck injury and he couldn't turn his head to the left. So, um, that was kind of the beginning of our, our journey with the issue with breastfeeding, um, that, and like, I have flat nipples. So, um, but the combination of that plus like Brixton's head just being in pain, like like neck being in pain or uncomfortable, um, breastfeeding was just like not vibing for us. You know, I had tried nipple shields. I had tried different holds. We had seen five different lactation consultants and, um, and finally I just, and we also did cranial sacral therapy, which worked wonders on Brixton, but you know, at the end of the day for like me and it just like, wasn't, it wasn't working. So I ended up exclusively pumping and, um, and we, we were able to exclusively pump for eight months and we introduced formula month nine. So yeah, that was pumping was, it's, (laughs) I have so many mixed, mixed feelings about it. Like it was really hard. Um, it was really bloody hard, but I can confidently say like, yeah, I'm really happy that I did it. And I also don't think I'd do it again. You know, it's like amazing how much you will sacrifice and do for something that you love so much. And it really did. Um, it took away a ton of my time, you know, like you're, you live near an electrical socket every three hours for 45 minutes a session, eight times a day. So, um, yeah, you know, for eight months of your life. So it really is like, a sacrifice. Um, and it got to the point where like Brixton and Greg would sleep through the night and I would wake up twice a night to pump. And I just remember like looking yeah. at both of them cause Brixton had slept in our room for quite some time. And I looked to my left and there was Brixton in his bassinet, like so comfortable. And I looked to my right, <laughs> there was Greg like <laughs> snoring and I'd like look down and there was my breast pump, like doing its thing. And I was just like, Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, this is not happening. You know? So but I kept telling myself like, okay, I'll make it to three months. Okay. I'll make it to four months. Okay. I'll make it to six months. And then eventually, um, you know, Brixton was trying to start solids and stuff like that. He was exploring other foods along with the breast milk. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll go to, I'll finish out eight months and then we'll, we'll call it a day and I'll be really proud of myself for that. And, um, you know, I had, I had built up quite an extra supply in our deep freezer. Like we bought a deep freezer just for my extra milk because it was taking over (laughs) our normal freezer. Um, and the like initial goal when I kept thinking like, okay, I'll do it for another month. I was like, you know, when, when I got to about seven months, I was like, okay, maybe if I pump 
I'll just go count all of my milk in the freezer, you know, and maybe I can actually get him to close to a year with like a mixture of breast milk formula and some solids. And, um, so that was the original game plan. So I was like, okay, I'll finish pumping at eight months. And, um, I had this like chart and everything on my computer of like when it was pumped and when I needed to drink it by. And, um, if I had like had a wine, then that milk would be used for a milk bath someday or, you know, like everything was listed and calculated and all the things. And, <laughs> um, we got to the point where we started, you know, de-thawing or thawing out that, um, the frozen breast milk and Brixton just didn't like it. It, it was one of those, it was one yeah. of those babies. And, and sometimes the milk, I guess, I don't know exactly what it's called again. I forgot it now, but it's like the chemical reaction that happens when you thaw the milk and it makes the milk taste a little bit funky for them. And he was yeah. not into it. And I was just like, you're joking. <laughs> oh my God. We have just worked yeah. <laughs> so hard for eight months. You know, again, this like lesson of you cannot plan Mo, like just keeps yeah. recurring and I need to just learn it already. Um, but yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, he, we, we gave up the milk completely. He went fully onto formula at nine months and I had had, you know, heaps and heaps of frozen milk. So I ended up donating um, 77 liters to a local charity. And, um, oh, and that wow, was really cool. Amazing. It was around, yeah, it was around like Christmas, um, that year. So it was a nice, I just f- figured a nice little Christmas present, something, something I could give back and like not feel resentful about my time pumping, you know, and instead feel really yeah. grateful that my body could do that for a few different babies. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's lovely. And how did you feel in terms of making a transition to being a mom and how were you feeling emotionally after birth and through your recovery? Yeah, I had, um, I felt, I felt really good. I think the, I think what sent me into baby blues because I had a bit of them, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, but was the pumping and that's when I knew it needed to stop. Um, I felt really, really good after pregnancy and, um, I actually was like, I can do this, you know, like I felt confident and I, um, Brixton was a really great, easy baby. Um, you know, we hit, we kind of hit the jackpot with him. And, um, so those first few months, I actually, things went really smoothly. Um, and I reckon my baby blues started at like month six postpartum. And I know that's probably not super normal, but it was just the combination of like, Brixton starting to crawl. I was trying to pump, you know, I just felt like I couldn't manage all of the things, you know, I wasn't able to like be there with him and I wasn't able to like go out and see friends at certain times or around nap schedules and this and that. And I had just, um, you know, just felt like I had lost my identity a bit. So Um, once really pumping was kind of out of the picture and we were back on the bottle, I felt, I felt good after that. And, um, and yeah, so that, that's like my thing with pumping now is just, I'll just mentally know with, with next baby, if that's the route that we go down again, just to be super aware of it and know that formula in my opinion is not the enemy and, um, for sure. And yeah. I, and I can be really, you know, my baby can be really healthy with formula and with breast milk and 
um, you know, I don't have to feel guilty about giving him a bottle. So, um, that is something I feel really confident about with the next one eventually, you know, that I'll be in a much better headspace and be in a bit more choice and not as much guilt about that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And did those blues kind of subside when you stopped the pumping or did you talk to anyone about them or how did you sort of feel there? Yeah. I mean, I talked to, I have one friend, um, that is kind of like my go-to mom for everything. She's my, my bestie, you know, in life and in, yeah. in mom world. And, um, she has two little, little ones older than mine. And, um, and, she, and her name's Bex and Bex was just like, you know, I give you permission to stop pumping when you're ready. And having someone say the word permission to me was the first time I had heard it. Cause other people would be like, I can't believe you're doing that. Oh my gosh. And it almost created this like hero complex for me of like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing this amazing thing. I need yeah. to keep doing it because people think I'm a good mom. If I keep doing it, you know, and Bex was really like, I think you're an amazing mom and I give you permission to stop because you'll still be an amazing mom without it. And, um, it was just really what I needed to hear. And I, she told me that at five months and she told me again at six and again at seven and again at eight. And so she was just that friend that just kept checking in of like, I'm really proud of you. And when you're ready to stop, I'm still really proud of you. And I just needed to hear that. So she was, she's been like the, my, the, my, my most solid friend of being able to debrief anything with, you know, and, and she'll tell me that my headspace is normal and give me really great advice. And, um, but, but right after the birth, I actually, I did go see a therapist for two sessions just to debrief on like the bit of trauma from birth of like feeling and maybe trauma is the wrong word. Cause I really don't want to like sound like my, my story is awful. You know, like I birthed this beautiful baby. I had a really great pregnancy and this and that, but but yeah, it was just, um, like that, that six hours of like being at eight centimeters and, um, and yeah. just like not having anyone, not feeling like I had the support that I needed and feeling really alone. I think it's like, obviously a recurring thing of me feeling alone, obviously in New Zealand away from my family. And then like in the biggest moment yeah. of my life, I felt like I didn't have that person that like really was there to be a stand for me. And obviously my husband was, yeah. but as a husband, you just, he doesn't know what the heck's going on down there either, you know? So, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just really helpful just to like talk with a professional and kind of debrief it and be able to like say my story and know that it doesn't have to be real, you know, for the next baby. And, um, I can just be really clear with my next expectations of my midwife and, um, and just be in choice about different things. So yeah, she was yeah. just like two sessions, totally worth the money. I recommend it to anyone, you know, if you're like thinking about it, like I need to go see someone. <laughs> yeah. It's so expensive. It's like for what it does to like clear headspace, it was so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And I think you've mentioned that you've gone back to work now. Is that right? Yeah. So I actually, um, I contract work. So I was back at work at about eight weeks, just doing, um, little minimal stuff. And, you know, you know, with bricks and sleep, sleeping so much, I was able to just chuck away a few emails and, you know, get paid for those hours. So I was back at work pretty early. Um, but back full time, 
at around, oh, I want to say like eight or nine months. It would have been that same time that I finished pumping and, um, yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, we, I, we have a really small office, a really small team, um, two directors that are super supportive and they let me bring Brixton in for our Monday morning meetings. And then I would go home and work remotely for the rest of the week. So yeah, I actually just was really blessed to have, you know, that kind of work to come back to and, um, and not have it be super stressful. Yeah. Awesome. That's very cool. And you've mentioned yeah. a few times that there might be a next baby in the works. Do you think that, that <laughs> yeah, you'll it's drive not, more in the future? Definitely. It's not happening right now. Um, we yeah. have a couple of things on next year. Like um, one of my best friends is getting married and my sister's getting married. And um, I just really don't want to be pregnant bridesmaid <laughs> for those. I want to, I want to be able to have fun and have a drink and um, and not yeah. think twice about it, you know, and be able to leave, um, Brixton, he'll be, you know, two and a half at that point with my parents when I'm back home for those weddings. And, um, so yeah, yeah. we're, the goal is 2020, obviously like here I am saying, here's the plan and we never know what will happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, like the, I, the goal is 2020, but if, if that doesn't happen, no sweat. Um, but yeah, no talk of babies for for 2019. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today, Mo. I really appreciate it. I think it's a good one. The listeners will get a lot out of. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. So I appreciate it. And I love what you're doing with this podcast. Um, was like, I told you before I listened to it on my, on my drives all the time. And I'm just so happy that there's someone in the community doing this for women. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.